If you listened to Nashville segment a pod ago, I talked about how Nashville goalie UC Saros was the way Nashville coach Sean Hines keeps his job this year. The topic, although earlier during St. Louis's lengthy losing streak, GM Doug Armstrong gave a verbal endorsement to his head coach Craig Berube and his job security, also probably is about the goaltending. What I have spent a lot of time a pot ago with St. Louis was explaining that unless goalie Jordan Bennington's goal save above expected improved, St. Louis was in trouble in winning games, and that even then had me think, as the talk of Coach Berube's job security emerged again in the local St. Louis coverage as to how secure he really was, well, based on the goalie theory, Berube number-wise is more at risk than Hines is at present when it comes to keeping his job. The whole determining coach's shelf life does need a goal save above expected tantum statistic for previous coaches who were dismissed so that we can simply see an actualized cutoff to flag as to when a coach likely is on the hot seat for an underachieving team that isn't otherwise by being, for example, in a rebuild as a time a coach wouldn't be fired. But also that the goalies playing poorly is a large reason why the coach is on the hot seat. Here's the thing as we move to these two teams and records below the team's expectations. They entered Monday's game versus each other outside of the playoffs looking in. These GMs and teams expected to be playoff teams. In fact, division top three teams and both are sitting a full team back of the division top three five and six in the division respectively and that's why the coach hot seat topic emerges in both respective markets it also makes the next question of should we be talking about the gms of these teams not the coaches as they constructed the rosters truth is the gms st louis's doug armstrong and nashville's david poyle have backed the coaches already this year and it's why I then turn to the goaltending because find me an NHL coach and getting fired talk and chances are the team's goalies are struggling and in the NHL it's hard to win with any consistency when your goalies are struggling. St. Louis chairman Todd Stillman was interviewed in the intermission of the Nashville in St. Louis division snoozer on Monday night. He gave an encouraging endorsement to the player group in place and it's my take that implied confidence in the gm who built the team and the gm has already expressed confidence in the coach so st louis is still all on the same page as far as gm coach and players nashville in the transition of new ownership which is kind of complex on that ownership group they have in place is a complicated process and that's currently unfolding and that to me would be a sign that nashville would want to make the hockey management including the coaching staff be consistent and not be overhauled during that transition time however it took overtime for the lone goal between st louis and nashville but if you contemplated teams getting points removed based on a game from their standings this game between the two would be exhibit a in fact that the teams combined for the max three of four standing points with the extra time 0-0 score will make the coaches happy it was a defensively dull game. 
It also wasn't very well played. As OT started, I was thinking too bad a 0-0 score through regulation just wasn't a draw, and neither team was awarded any points for it. We'll get to more about the game. However, as it relates to the coaches, it doesn't seem imminent either Nashville or St. Louis's coaches are going to be fired. However, with the current inconsistencies the teams are performing at, the chatter probably does increase around whether or not they should be. 2023 is a good draft class. I almost think in both cases, if the respective teams don't improve, it's in the upcoming offseason after the season is over that the teams make coach changes if they do at all. Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. The primary game recap is always put win or lose in the team with the better record section, unless otherwise indicated. If you're a true podcast follower, you listen to all the segments. Remember, the beauty of the Division podcast is actually knowing the direct competition than just your favorite team alone. Tier 3 is Nashville and St. Louis, a.k.a. the bottom pairing, the 5 and 6D comparison for the division teams in those division standing spots. While I normally put the game recaps in each team section from the last to most recent game, I will put the last game against each other, St. Louis and Nashville, before looking at both teams in this week's segment. The low shot, mostly defensive perimeter game was a 25-24 advantage for Nashville in shots on goal. Some solid saves by St. Louis goalie Jordan Bennington for his second shutout and Nashville goalie UC Soros with one juicy pad rebound in OT by Juice that turned out to be St. Louis's game-winning overtime goal at the stick of Braden Shen. The team's power plays were collectively 0 for 7. St. Louis gets two points for the home OT win, and Nashville, goalless, gets one point for not getting scored till past 60 minutes. It was an important game for both teams given the standings. In fact, I started thinking of criticisms from a year ago of Nashville being like this year's Dallas, needing more goal production, while St. Louis is this year's Winnipeg, a team needing to be better defensively. The other thing is St. Louis had to play on back-to-back nights, while Nashville didn't. St. Louis went back to Jordan Bennington in net for consecutive starts on back-to-back nights. It's logically, as I've talked in other parts of the podcast, an NHL schedule loss for St. Louis given Nashville should have the rested advantage. That didn't happen and that should worry Nashville fans. As Dallas and Winnipeg battle for top spot in the division this year, while St. Louis and Nashville are outside looking in presently, just remember Dallas and Winnipeg hired new coaches before the start of this year. Nashville, 12-11-3 record, 27 points in 26 games played, 519 point percentage mark is near to the 524 point percentage of a last podcast. It keeps Nashville 
fifth in the division standings on a 2-2-1 500 hockey stretch. It was winning games you didn't think Nashville would win, and losing a game you didn't think Nashville would, and getting a loser point while failing to score an actual goal. That often is a sign of a team struggling with inconsistencies. It takes Nashville's Ryan Johansson 11 seconds to open scoring and Colton Sissons to give Nashville a 2-0 first period lead over New Jersey after one. A three-goal New Jersey burst, including two power play goals in two minutes, 38 seconds early in the second, had New Jersey head up until, with nine seconds left, a six-on-five net front Nashville garbage goal by Mikhail Granlund forced overtime. 33 seconds in overtime, it's Johansson's second of the night to give Nashville the upset 4-3 OT road win in Jersey. A Nashville Philip Forsberg power play goal has the Predators up 1-0 after 20. It's 2-0 through the middle frame. Another Nashville power play goal, 4-on-3, a Roman Yossi point blast. The Isles deny Nashville goalie Kevin Lankinen of a shutout with a power play goal. Lankinen made 48 saves. Nashville added two empty net goals in the last two minutes of regulation to skate to a 4-1 road win on the New York Islanders. Nashville gives up two Tampa Bay goals by the 2.53 mark into the game. Tampa's second a power play goal. Nashville's Mark Jankowski's two-on-one shorthanded goal keep just after the first frame's midpoint makes it 2-1 after 20. Nashville's defenseman Alex Carrier's pinch nets his first of the year. It's the only goal in the middle period to have it tied at 2 through 40. 2.14 into the third, Tampa Bay retake the lead and add two more goals, one of a bad line change variety. The last goal was a shorthanded one. Tampa Bay backup Brian Elliott picks up the win as Tampa Bay wins at home 5-2. to two. After a scoreless first, Nashville late in the second score first as Yakov Trenin opens the scoring in the second. Ottawa tie it with eight seconds left in the second on the power play. Former Chicago forward, now Ottawa's Alex Dabrinkit, gives Ottawa its first lead, 3.55 into the third. An off-the-rush Ottawa power play goal, 45 seconds to the third's midpoint, gives Ottawa a two-goal lead. That, a minute later, Nashville's Nino Niederreiter's team-leading 10th goal makes a one-goal game. The penalty-filled game has Nashville play four minutes of the last Five killing off a double minor high sticking penalty rather than trying to get a game tying goal push. Ottawa win in Nashville three to two. Nashville's goaltending has been giving the team the opportunity to win of late, both goalies UC Saros and Kevin Lankinen. Without Lankinen's performance, the win over the Isles probably doesn't happen at all. Nashville still with the better goaltending was a five hundred hockey team. It's worrisome. Now, the D injuries. If I've listened correctly to Nashville's home coverage, the three underperforming D are now injured. Ryan McDonough, Jeremy Lazon, and to me, Alex Carrier, more so at times than the two off talked about more. Carrier has a media fandom that gives him a pass, apparently. We can include 7th defenseman Mark Borowiecki as being out, but the team has, to me, save for the experienced McDonough, AHL-capable call-ups to put with the remaining three. Is it ideal? No. Is it an excuse not to have decent results? Absolutely not. Now, is Jordan Gross an NHL top-pair defenseman? No. 
but neither is Alex Carrier. NHL journeyman Kevin Gravel, 30, has 109 NHL games played in his career in co-op injury duty, which is what he's doing. Roland McEwen, 26, save for 10 games played one year for Carolina, is truly an American Hockey League defenseman. Only Chicago has scored fewer goals for and played equal to Nashville's game played with 62. Nashville is second worst in the NHL with 67 goals for. Goal scoring is the issue. The defensive injuries don't really qualify as solving that. Not a top six forward a year ago, Luke Cunning signed in San Jose to play third line. Nashville coach John Hines' current answer is to put third line center now playing right wing in the top six, Colton Sissons. Rookie Yusuf Parsonen now at third line center between Yakov Trenin and Tanner Janot, where Sissons was. Think sent down top prospect Philip Tonacino was injured, but in 15 games played with Milwaukee in the AHL, he had 11 points. Tommy Novak has 22 points in 23 games played. Igor Afanasiev, 7 goals in 23 games played as well. But Nashville under Hines gives his lineup Cole Smith, Mark Jankowski, and until he recently, like Nashville, now Arizona goalie Connor Ingram did a year ago, Michael McCarron has entered the NHL player assistance program to not be available as a roster player reverse order that list of forward players of playable bottom six value and getting Sissons out of nashville's top six back into the bottom six is by the way coach lineup decisions putting players who could potentially succeed in spots to or as heinz seemingly always does elevating players often who don't have the skill set to do so and the d injuries meant that nashville had to send 23 year old prospect but healthy scratched ellie tovalin down to get d men to play and it may not money wise have been as simple as sending down entry-level contract waiver exempt Yuso parsonin and nashville did want to keep parsonin up in the lineup however from an organizational depth standpoint losing total and off waivers is just the latest of gm going in his chosen coaches player deployment model that doesn't reflect the talent the organization's draft department continues to find a draft when Tovalin pops in seattle I'm really trying to avoid saying his goal scoring gets a kraken. Well, it was short-sighted by Nashville to get no return for a player two years from his prime playing years. Just, we'll give Kevin Fiala company for Nashville fans to lament. It's Nashville's system. It's coaches' player choices of available choices and deployment of the players that has Nashville not scoring. So, it continues until the coach changes. Ellie Tovalin's departure is because of the coach telling his GM and organization it was the right move. It fucking wasn't. I look at Seattle presently and I think Tovalin's shooting skills and speed with playmaker Jordan Eberle and Matty Beneers could be so dynamic. That would slot Jared McCann to the third line, say where Ryan Donato is. Or Tovalin could slot third line where Donato currently is and i think with yanni gord and oliver borkstrom as line mates that's a really good fit too nashville went into a struggling below in the standings division game versus st louis who was playing on a back-to-back they didn't generate 
anything sustained offensively with all those factored in advantages. They didn't score a goal. A 23-year-old that has a great shot, 35 NHL career goals in 135 games played, just was gifted to another NHL team. Fiala's first 35 goals, 140 NHL games, although I don't have the last year's breakdown, but you get the point. It's strikingly comparable. Fiala, since being traded away from Nashville, has two 20-plus goal seasons and a 30-plus one. And that's what I think is possible for Tovalin over the next few years with Seattle. Nashville's division had a record 3-3-1. Nashville have to deal with the back-to-back game playing home with travel to Edmonton tonight. A two-game division road trip in Winnipeg and Colorado and back home next Monday versus Edmonton before three home division games. St. Louis at 13-15 won 27 points in 29 games played and a 4.66 point percentage stay sixth. Adding the game versus Nashville helped St. Louis go 2-4-1 since our last pod. St. Louis had a four-game losing streak. The last three are where we pick up after it's more respectable 2-1-1 with the regulation home division loss to Winnipeg, the OT division loss to Colorado included. St. Louis is tied in points now with Nashville, but they have three more games played. A Pavel Busnevich, St. Louis power play goal, is the lone first period tally. St. Louis's Noah Chari extends the lead, but Carolina with a power play goal score three goals in a minute four stretch before St. Louis's Tory Krug's power play goal makes it three all through 40. 435 left in the third on a neutral zone turnover. Carolina take the lead. Carolina get an empty net goal. St. Louis get a six on five Ryan O'Reilly goal and Carolina another empty net goal as Carolina on the road downs St. Louis six to four. St. Louis goalie Jordan Biddington attempted after playing the puck to hit Carolina's Jordan Stahl behind the net but took the worst of it. St. Louis's Pavel Bushnevich's goal cuts into Pittsburgh's 2-0 lead, but a Pittsburgh power play goal makes it 3-1 pens through one. St. Louis's Vladdy Tarasenko's goal in the second is in between Pittsburgh goals less than two minutes in and 20 seconds past the game's midpoint on the power play. A Pittsburgh empty net goal in the third hands St. Louis a 6-2 road loss in Pittsburgh. St. Louis goalie Jordan Bennington was given a 10-minute unsportsmanlike misconduct penalty a minute 51 seconds into the second after Pittsburgh's fourth goal against as he was being pulled. New York Ranger defenseman bookend the first period scoring late, the second a power play goal in the last minute. St. Louis's Pavel Bushnevich's with St. Louis's goal as the Rangers lead 2-1 after 20. It takes St. Louis's Vladimir Tarasenko 12 seconds to tie it in the second, a minute 7 seconds for the New York Rangers to take the lead again. A St. Louis power play goal by Jordan Cairo and St. Louis take the lead on Ryan O'Reilly's rebound goal a minute 31 seconds after. 4-3 St. Louis after two. Three New York Rangers third period goals get past St. Louis goalie Jordan Biddington, the last a shorthanded goal for St. Louis to lose in New York 6-4. Next night, St. Louis on the second game of back-to-backs. Josh Levo's first of the year on a two-on-one keep opens the scoring late in the first. New York Islanders take 39 seconds to tie it up at one all through the first. 
first. St. Louis's Ivan Barbashev's goal on another two-on-one and Ryan O'Reilly's net front goal put St. Louis up 3-1 to one in the middle frame. Just seconds over three and a half into the third. St. Louis's Noel Chari and Colton Perenko's first of the year make it 5-1 with goals 13 seconds apart. A New York Islander power play goal and two more make it 5-4 before St. Louis gets two empty net goals for the 7-4 road win over the Isles. With four goals against, St. Louis goalie Thomas Grice picks up the win. St. Louis went back to goalie Thomas Grice at home to Division Winnipeg, covered in Winnipeg's segment. While St. Louis outshot Winnipeg 31-20, it's Grice with four goals against and 15 saves that didn't come close to matching Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellebuck's performance. St. Louis's power play was held off the boards, going 0 for 2, while Winnipeg converted their lone power play opportunity, going 1 for 1. St. Louis, a late lead on a shorthanded goal at home to Colorado, they weren't able to hold on to. Game covered in the Colorado segment. The 60-minute more defensively sound effort, rarely seen by St. Louis, was on display that although St. Louis only snagged a point, there was a lot of building block positives in that game for the Blues. Pavel Bushnevitz's penchant for getting St. Louis's first goal really only stops after three consecutive games because he has been injured and not in the lineup since. I wonder about St. Louis backup goalie Thomas Grice getting consecutive starts. Yes, he did win with four goals against at the Owls. It's just his last six games all have Grice allowing four goals against, including two that were five goals against. What's crazy is having three wins, giving up that many goals. Then, when Winnipeg doesn't let St. Louis score 5-plus because Grice gives up his average four goals against of late, St. Louis returned to goalie Jordan Bennington, who took heat from Coach Berube after the Pittsburgh game for his extra antics as opposed to his puck-stopping skills. Bennington was good versus division rival Colorado and likewise then started again on the back-to-back in the division game versus Nashville. Bennington picked up the shutout, his second of the year, and his 100th NHL career regular season win. It was rather confounding St. Louis crease in the distribution of who started what games. It backfired in Grice's consecutive starts, but it worked when doing it with Bennington right after, and it definitely will keep teams playing St. Louis, guessing to who will be in goal at least. I don't like picking on defenseman Nick Letty instead of the forward David Perron false narrative of who St. Louis should have signed. Perron's deal with Detroit regardless of signing Letty, in fact, even had he not signed, wasn't going to fit St. Louis's cap structure. What I really think is given before the regular season began, St. Louis lost vet left-hand defenseman Marco Scandella and emerging prospect left-hand defenseman Scott Pernovich, and neither have played a game all year. If St. Louis hadn't signed also left-hand defenseman Letty, now playing an average 21-plus minutes time on ice in St. Louis's top four, who do you think would be? For all the ups and downs St. Louis season has been, I can't imagine what this would look like for the worse than it is if Letty hadn't returned. Perron's leaving left one top nine spot to dangle as a carrot. 
a reward or opportunity for someone in the organizational depth to grab and take a hold of. And that simply didn't materialize. One of those players, Clem Costin, was traded for not elevating to an everyday NHL playable option while in St. Louis. Now in the minors, top prospect Jake Neighbors, I had high hopes, would nab that top nine spot and he simply wasn't able to either. And yes, the power play misses Perron. But what about the fourth line missing Dakota Joshua, who signed in Vancouver at a modest 825K? That's not really a cap casualty. It's a GM choice. 25 games played, six goals in a fourth line role on a Vancouver team that has also struggled this year. St. Louis's PTO to 750K deal, Tyler Pitlick, 19 games played, one goal for St. Louis, and Nathan Walker, likewise, same salary, 16 games played without a goal. If St. Louis does get to where they have the back-end healthy D group. This year's St. Louis team, I like using an 11 forward 70 usage with because the fourth line value is less to me than it was a year ago. And I also don't think getting back Logan Brown from injury moves the needle much either to improve it. St. Louis's division had had record 3-4-1. Thursday, St. Louis begin a five-game road trip in Edmonton. The next night, they play in Calgary. Two days off to then play Vancouver next Monday and Seattle the next night, Tuesday. And finally, with two days off, they finish playing in Vegas. It is especially a challenge of a road trip with two back-to-backs on the trip. Pacific Division bottom pair comparable. Calgary and Vancouver. Calgary with 31 points in 29 games played has a 534 point percentage and that is better than Nashville's is. Vancouver 27 points in 28 games is a better point percentage than St. Louis at 482 point percentage because they like Nashville have fewer games played than St. Louis. The top four Central Division teams and top four Pacific teams held the eight playoff spots heading into Monday. Calgary, by a point more in more games played, moved Colorado out of that position after Monday night's games. However, at 27-point totals for Nashville and St. Louis, even Van, who has struggled, is sandwiched in the standings with the same point total between them, with nine teams for eight spots ahead of both Nashville and St. Louis. Making up ground is hard in the NHL, and both teams still have to do it, even to get into the wild card conversation. The Pacific Division is showing to be as competitive as the Central Division this year, regardless of the old narrative that is still being tossed about. That wraps up part three of the four-part podcast. We conclude with Arizona and Chicago, the healthy scratch pairing, and we talk NHL Central Division tank teams and, well, the Pacific Division ones too. 